One of the one I, of, well, I have a cold too, so it probably Jesus makes you manlier. Everybody yeah. in here is sick. Yeah. One of the um, one of the complaints we we always talk about this complaint before we start the show is that there's no intro to the show, and so I should let you know that there is no intro to the show. Fine with me. I think at this point, if we had one, it might be just too too weird. I don't know exactly how to uh, um, introduced introduced introduce the guest of today's show. Um, but Matt Bischel is here and Eric Maciel is here and it's a fine, fine, crisp morning. Sun's out in sunny Santa Cruz and sitting in as the guest is Kevin Mad Dog Johnson. Good morning. He's wearing the pukey hat. He's wearing the rogue sweatshirt. He's got the nano fives on. Yep. Yes, fives. He is... Maybe the in the top five longest CrossFitters I've I know Maybe that the, you know, but not at the top five in the world. We would say Eva, Jason, Highbarger. You know. Is Bruce before you or after you? Which Bruce? Bruce Edwards. Oh, way after. Really? <laughs> yeah. He but he did the spin classes with Greg at uh. At, oh, uh, excuse me, I I was not aware of that. Oh shit! Well, well that's spin, right? Yeah. But, but that means he's been around a long time. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Kevin's a longtime CrossFitter, uh, longtime Santa Cruz local, longtime tree arborist, um, longtime affiliate owner, longtime father, longtime husband. Veteran. Um, Personal he, security for Greg. He's no he's no spring chicken. <laughs> all, all is before his name. The, the only thing that he's new at is his Toastmasters class. Which we'll get into here. Yeah. Uh, good morning. Good morning. Tell us um, how you got into CrossFit. I was doing mixed martial arts with a bunch of people in uh, northern Santa Cruz. As you leave town on Highway One, there's a, which now really built up area. They used to be all uh warehouses around there and, and all the mar mixed martial arts were in that area everybody's renting a big box and jason was in my class and one day jason said hey, jason highbarger excuse me jason highbarger my great friend jason he um offered to have us tr do a tr workout try one of his workouts and i said well what's it based on and, i mean you keep saying it's sick, it's sick. What's it based on? <laughs> and he didn't have anything to base it on. There wasn't really a name for it. He called it CrossFit. And I was like, well, what's that? You're going to take do some religious studies and then they can put you up on a crucifix and you're, you're good to go. <laughs> I like that. I, I it's a solid, solid assessment. Yeah, yeah I was yeah, like, yeah, yeah. what CrossFit, you know? So um, he had us do these drills. What did he call you? Did he call you KJ, Kevin, Mad Dog? What did, what did Highbarger call you back then? Um. I think he called me KJ and Kevin. So he was like, you guys would be like in the middle of one of your, your fighting classes, MMA classes, and he would just walk up to you and be like, hey, Kevin, I'm doing this sick workout, man. Yeah. You got to do this workout. This said, shit is you got, sick. Says, you got to try. It, it, yeah, he's not that effusive. He's very humble, straightforward guy. So yeah. that so if he had said that, I even would have had some you know, little warning, red flags would have come up. But he said, you got to try this workout. It's really amazing. I don't know of any other workout like it that's close to it. And then he kind of smirked and I went, okay. So we did the workout and everybody fell on the ground. And you did it at the uh, dojo? 
Yes. What, do you remember the workout? Yeah, we did five push-ups, 10 sit-ups, and 15 air squats, which nobody could do correctly. Um, <laughs> just for, some hideous for air squats. For 10 minutes, for just 10 minutes, which now seems not like much, but when you have no reference point, it was debilitating. And so we didn't like it, and we didn't feel very good, but we were kind of curious about it because of the neuroendocrine response. All those chemicals came up. Really, you know, the uh, the transformation from going to uh, a workout and feeling like you dominated the workout to being completely devastated by it. I I didn't have a reference point for that either, and I didn't know what was going on, and I thought. Maybe I'm too old to do this. I was like 48, <laughs> and I thought, wow, maybe I just shouldn't have done that. So then we tried it. Why? Were you, you were feeling vomitous, shaky, um, just all the standard CrossFit shit? Yes, but back then, once again, no reference point. I was Right, in, your first workout, I was first CrossFit Kind of like a little bit panicky because I wasn't rhabdoed, but I was right. close. Right. And so I wasn't sure what to do. But I was very intrigued. I, at the back of my mind, it was like you know what you like. You're in a boxing match and you lose and you get beat up really bad. But you're like, wow, I almost had him, almost had him. So you loved the stimulus. Yeah, I loved. But so, still a little afraid of it. A little bit of afraid of it. And, and uh, how long have you been practicing MMA? And what was your discipline, your specialty? Well, I just been a street fighter all my life. So I, if some one of my friends was doing something, I'd just go and do it with them for a couple of years, and then I'd get bored and you know, beat up everybody in class and leave and didn't have anything to do. So did you ever get kicked out of a dojo? A lot. Really? <laughs> yeah. And I'm, I'm not, I'm not like some masterful, super trained, you know, like I'm not a Tony Blauer. I'm not a uh, Garth Taylor, but I'm, but I'm a New York city kid who is a street fighter who you learn to fight really well, really young. So as you get older and you're confronted with these different styles or situations or whatever, you're looking forward to it. You're not even doubting it. You, you aggressively want to pursue it. It's like in your DNA to do it. I grew up with all of my relatives, all cops and firemen. So it's always like, what? Not like, whoa, what's that? It's like, what? Oh, no, no, no not, not on this block, you know? So that's the way you grow up, you know? And Are you, what's your ethnicity? I'm Irish Catholic. Okay. Yeah. And um, you you were born and raised. But I'm not Catholic. Let me say, wait, time out. I'm Irish Catholic, but I'm not definitely not Catholic. For and, the record. And you're yeah, born and raised record. in New York. Yes. And where in New York? New York City. And do you remember your first fight? Um, I was well, just I was born in St Albans Naval Hospital in Jamaica, Queens during the Korean War. So I was born. I was cost six dollars for my birth and my parents said they've been paying ever since then. There right. was no <laughs> discount, no bargain. But so um I grew up in Queens and um there was a lot of relatives around. My dad and his two brothers lived on the same block. So there was lots of kids around. There I had thirty cousins in that group and some of them were five and six years older than me and f five and six years younger than me. So I had this big group of people to rub up against, uh, you know, made things very competitive, especially for fighting. And then I had these younger group of people that I had to look after. So I had to learn both at the same time. And it really helped me out a lot in, in learning how to fight and how to think about being a fighter and how to go out in the street and be ready to deal with whatever comes down. Do you remember your first fight? Yeah. 
How I got the- I got beat up really bad by a black guy. I call him a racial slur, and he took a newspaper and beat me to the ground with it and and told me that he was lucky. He told me I was lucky to be alive. I was like seven years old. Never forgot that one, obviously. Wow, so you got beat it like like the way I used to hit my dog. I mean, I don't hit my dog anymore. Yeah. I, I banned that like 20 years ago, that practice. Yeah. That, but back in the day, that was like the conventional wisdom, hit your dog with a newspaper. Yeah. I never beat him till yeah. submission, and he never called me racial slur. But um, <laughs> wow, that's amazing. And was there a rubber band around it? It was like a folded up like... No, he had just had it rolled up, and he wailed on me. You know, he was really... I, I, I do remember how... How old I, was he? Probably 18 or 19. I just remember the look. He was the incredulous look on his face that someone would even do that. Right. You know, I was like, and and later on in life, I think back about it and I go, wow, you were just a conditioned little robot. If you had done that on purpose, it would be hard to live with. Uh, You lost me. Done what on purpose? Called him a a racial slur. Oh, right. And then got beat up for it. Right. It was just kind of like an automatic response, something that was said in the hood. You said it to the wrong guy and fucking... Yeah, you, you got he rubbed your nose in it. That's kind yeah. of a nice beating. That's a, that's kind of a nice first introductory to yeah. fighting. Yeah, because it wasn't too getting severe. Getting beat up for something you kind of deserve. Yeah, and it, there's a lot of balance there. And it was with the newspaper. Yeah, yeah. not getting the shit kicked out of you. That's awesome. Yeah. Was he um, precise in his shots? Like you know, like if you're 18 and you're beating yeah. a seven year old yeah. with a newspaper, that that yeah. almost sounds fun. Like yeah. a shot to the tap, <laughs> tap yeah. shot to the nuts, leg yeah. sweep. You know, yeah. what I mean? he was having fun. <laughs> he was. Yeah. Um, did you tell your dad, your mom, was there any, oh yeah, I told my dad because he could see I was upset about something and, uh, he didn't take it too well. He didn't No. but you know, that, that's just that, that's that Irish Catholic mentality growing up. You know, the, um, minorities were trying to improve their lives and they were encroaching on their little kingdom, their Irish Catholic, you know, cop kingdom Uh and, uh, which was valid you know they, they had their valid little safety place and they were getting encroached on there was a lot of tension a lot of misunderstanding no good communication no references to you know well what do we do how, how do you communicate with people you don't even know how to talk to sounds like a spike lee movie yeah it was no, there exactly there was nothing really like that so it was kind of tough growing up you know you you sense something was wrong but you also didn't want to be kicked off the team by being a like a liberal or a, a wise guy or something. So you just you just adapt it as best you can. And then so so that was the beginning of a long career of fighting in the a streets. street fighting, yeah. And um, do you remember the first fight where you fought back? Not really, no. They just kind of all blend into one. Yeah, well, the, 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 I was like I said, I was in the middle of a big group of kids between one and 18 and I was in the middle. So I had, like I said, I had enough tough guys to beat me up each day to keep me trying. And then I also had enough responsibility to keep me focused. So I just moved on from there. And I would say genetically more than anything, looking at the patterns in our family and and most families, um, there, there's the intellectual one, the aggressive one, the reclusive one, whatever. And I just happened to be the aggressive one. You know, my brother was a year and a half older than me, and he used to beat me down a lot. And one day I just figured, I'm going to hold my ground. I'm going to stand my ground and see what happens. And so he kept coming, and he kept coming, and he got closer and closer. And I saw the look in his eyes where he knew he had made a mistake. He didn't intellectually know it. He just threw 
survival knew that he made a mistake so when he got this far away and he usually would take my hand and twist it and crunch it and drive me to the ground and then blast me one in the face yeah i just leaned to the side and threw a left lead and caught him square on the jaw knocked his feet out from underneath him he hit his head on the floor and that was it for him and was it was the fighting over between you two after that oh yeah i took over the house after that how old were you um we were 14 i was 14 my brother was 16. I was um I have an older sister, a couple years old, two and a half years older than me, and we we were wrestled just all growing up, just like daily wrestling. It would always turn into a fight, and I would always lose. And I'll never forget it. <coughs> it was either seventh or eighth grade, and similar incident. She was coming in for the kill, and I was like, "Oh man, I'm just gonna try punching her in the face and just ending this once and for all." And and it was kind of an unspoken rule: you didn't punch in the face. Yeah, it doesn't sound like you guys had that rule. No, not at all. Um, We're the opposite. <laughs> and so, um, as she got closer to me, um, I punched her in the face, and her split her lip. And right away, my dad came over, and, and we never fought again. My dad said, "Hey, can't now that you're winning." Yeah. It's done. Oh, yeah. No more fighting with your sister now that you can win. I didn't really think I could keep winning, but I was pretty proud. I was like, ooh, that was good. Yeah. Face shot. Oh, yeah. Lifts you up. Yeah, it's really. Um, so at seven, your first fight, 41 later, forty-one years later at the age of 48 in a dojo, 3,200 miles away, you get your first CrossFit workout. Yeah. By um, bon J Jason, Jason Highbarger. Highbarger. Yeah. So we did a couple of them. And then Jason had to go and do something. We did a bit. We did it for about nine days, I believe. And then Jason disappeared. He had to go and do something, and we couldn't figure out how to put it together or time it or anything. <laughs> and we were jonesing because we felt, you know, it's like you're, you're, it's like the hangover almost. We we're like, and then you take a shot and you go, oh, I'm great, and you know, I'll be fine. Right. Well, we didn't know what to do, and we wanted some kind of a flush or release or something, so we were trying all this stuff, and it didn't work. And where's Jason? Where's Jason? And we got Jason back, and uh, he started putting us through. Like the first time I worked out with him, we I think we did Fran and Helen or something. You know, where and, we, and where did you do that? We in my gym. Okay, at my, your at your house. No, my no. I had a gym called the Academy of Fitness on Seabright. In I opened it in 1999 and it closed in 2001. Okay, wow. And and so we would do the workouts there. And uh, Jason. And just, had you met Greg up to this point? No, I had okay. not. But, I but, heard but, about him, but he was in town. Yes. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Greg. Greg was working with Jason at Spa Fitness at the time. Okay. Yeah. So um, Jason came by and he did a couple more workouts with us and we started to catch on to it. And we were getting really excited because of all these changes that were happening. And for me at my age, to have more stamina as opposed to less was really thrilling. It's like exciting. You thought you would turn the corner and start and, and were in your waning, just fighting to maintain the status quo. And instead yes. you got a new stimulus. I was going up. Okay. I was doing more than I'd have ever done in my life. Wow. Yeah. Like I, I'm on the glued ham developer holding 45 pound plates on my chest, touching my head to the deck. Never done anything like that before in my life. My body felt so good so great doing movement like that because I've been doing tree work and rock climbing all my life and I really believe that climbing is creates more advantages to fitness than any other thing you can do but I have a lot of personal prejudice behind that 
you know, like brachiating range of motion in a tree when you're running a pole saw or using ropes or whatever, always working above your head and whatever. It's just amazing amount of activity that um, tree work really emulates CrossFit and vice versa in the movements you do. And so when I came to uh, CrossFit from tree work, I, I didn't know what was going on, but I sensed it. And I got very excited because my chemistry was changing really fast and, and way for the better, way for the better. How many workouts did it take before you finally realized, oh, I'm, I'm not too old to be doing this? Like you said after your first workout. About a month. Question. A month. Yeah, because I thought it might break my body down because I'd stopped doing tree work because I, my joints were swelling, tendons were popping, ligaments were ripping, and it was just too much. And my system for training was do tree work all day, which is very strenuous, go out and run 10 or 15 miles, and then maybe lift some, like maybe do some overhead presses and some curls or something, and then eat about 50 pounds of food and wonder why I couldn't gain any weight. And then also be training, training fighting. Yeah. Did they call it MMA in 2001 when you were doing it? Just starting to. Just starting to, okay. Yeah, just kind of starting to. Do you remember the first time you heard that term, mixed martial arts? I heard it from Brian Burns, who's a local martial arts MMA instructor. Um, Were you surprised to hear it? Were you like, oh, that's catchy? Or or did it just integrate seamlessly? I was kind of disappointed. I thought, oh, here we go with another gimmick. In America, you, you go to your class... You give the guy 50 bucks, he gives you a yellow belt. You give the guy 75 bucks, he gives you a green belt. You give him 100 bucks, he gives you know, I was like, what the fuck? What is the? Are you allowed to swear in here? Yeah, mm-hmm. yes. I was like, what the fuck are these people doing? They, they're like creating these delusional idiots. These people are under the um, influence of an idiot. They, they actually think they can defend themselves, and they're these like dynamic martial arts figures you see on TV, and... There was nothing going on. There's just all these people giving out all these belts and certificates. Is it still like that, you think? Or it was just like that 20 I, years ago, 30 years ago? I think in I think in the 80s it was at its worst, and it's still like that. But the uh, thing that you miss, that Americans miss, is they don't understand that to perfect most of the movements you see in martial arts, it takes half your life. That's why mixed martial arts became so prevalent because it didn't take half your life you could mix them all together and use the mm-hmm. ones that worked well and that would be good but you, you know in um, karate you might do a move for three years to perfect it in america you do it for three weeks right and so you miss the whole mindset you just completely goes by you and you're under the impression you know, that you're a warrior, I think they call themselves. I'm a warrior. Now, you know? <laughs> and I go, oh, wow, that's great. I, that's when, amazing. What, speaking of, of calling yourself a warrior, when you were seven years old, you got in your first fight, when did you start identifying with being, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm a fighter. I'm a, I'm a street fighter. I got into a fight. Getting into a fight when I was growing up was frowned upon, but it was kind of a wink and a nod behind it. And so when I was growing up um you got a mixed message but the more fights i got in the more my dad seemed to not approve of it but get a kick out of it as it were and he would tell his friends and whatever and go you know 
pretty soon they're going to be calling him Scarface. I'd always have a black eye or a fat lip or something. And uh, so I just thought this was the greatest thing in the world. You get all this attention for fighting and fighting so much fun. You know, I didn't think it was. Did you get chicks? Excuse me. Did you get chicks? When when I was nine. (laughs) From attention and fighting. Oh, that's when the attention started coming uh, around. Yeah, now. I did, but but I lost. That's just totally inappropriate to ask you if you get chicks at nine. Yeah. Sorry, I'll hold yeah. that question. I'll bring that up <laughs> but, again. Um, Tell me what I'm talking about. 15. I drove away as many as I attracted. Uh, sorry to interrupt. There's um, there's a truck unloading these 25 foot pieces of wood, and I, it just looks like that's not the way to do it. Oh, I guess that is the way to do it. Just they just dump, dropped it on just the ground. That's the, yeah, the that's the correct way to do it. Okay. Yeah, it's pretty wild how they do that. I mean, yeah. I, this is like maybe the third one that's come in the last week and a half. I cannot believe how much wood that is. What I'm curious it's about like is how's he going to how's he going to get around the wood now that he dumped it into his backup path. Good point. And who's going to lift that up and move it? Okay, sorry. Yeah. So, so, it, so after two years of fighting between seven and nine, you're just noticing, okay, hey, there's, you're getting a, 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 a hey, don't do that, young man. But yeah. you're getting some accolades and some love from your dad, and yeah. some respect from his peer group. Right, and and I'm also like the fights <coughs> I'm getting into are with strangers in the neighborhood. So it's like, well, he's just looking out for the neighborhood rationalization, even though okay. he's a little wise ass going around starting problems. Oh, so you were a little bit of a wise ass. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No. Yeah. You? Tiny bit. Okay. Yeah. You're not really like that anymore. I I really couldn't say. I, I I'm out of touch <laughs> with myself now. Yeah, I don't. I don't think you're a wise ass at all. No. I try to be polite and as helpful as I can be. I was raised to help people as much as you can. If you if you go out and do as, as much as you can for each other each day, then your needs will be met on all levels. And when you just go out for yourself, things don't work very well. And that's been my experience in life. I like that. I yeah, saw yeah. some video on the internet saying that the other day. Just make your whole life about helping other people and yeah. everything else will fall into place. Because everybody, nobody's... All the negative things about social interaction go to the go to the wayside when you're helping somebody. You know, oh, what's your motivation? Why are you doing this? What do you do? Doesn't matter. You're just doing it. You know, if you expect to be rewarded or made president or something, you'll probably be disappointed. But if you're doing it because you like doing it and you know it's improving things, then just keep doing it. You can't go wrong. Greg told me that our only value as humans is your contribution. To humanity and your fellow man that's your only value and that's right. that's the only way to assess someone's value yeah what have you contributed what have you done yeah. so at two years after your first fight you start thinking well, i'm a fighter at nine years old you're already like feeling i can fight I'm, I'm i'm a fighter yeah well i i started reading at an early age and i would read books and they'd have these passages about these great fights like knife fights and fights with pu cue sticks and whatever and i'd be like wow that's amazing i wonder what happens when you do that and then as i got older i started doing it i i it was it was probably not a good idea but i started acting out all this behavior i would read about in like detective novels and war movies and things like that oh i always thought that was bullshit like if you played violent video games you would be violent so you're saying you would actually so reading's <laughs> bad for you is what I'm yeah reading's away. really <laughs> bad for you <laughs> yeah everything i've ever done wrong i learned from reading <laughs> Um, although you're a big fan of Eckhart Tolle, Be Here yeah, Now, and that's yeah. an amazing book, and you haven't yeah. learned anything wrong from that book, have you? Uh, not yet. Okay. There's potential. <laughs> um, so it just takes two years, and you've, you've embraced the identity, and you carry it with you your whole life. To this day, um, 
throwing a punch is is a very very comfortable well for me um i i don't educate well i'm i'm very uncomfortable in this environment right here i, I really don't like it at all but i you know i know you guys and i trust you it's not like i'm paranoid that something's going to happen but i just don't like being inside and i don't like structure and i don't like organization so and you're sitting in the corner and we have yeah right on all you can blame sides. that on eric we were yeah. supposed to have this outside today but eric can yeah. pull it off okay yeah <laughs> <laughs> let's see how much let's see how much pressure we can put yeah. on kevin kevin's i said how do you think the podcast is, is going to go today he's all someone's going to get punched i go me he goes oh, don't worry i'll take the punch kevin, my Matt said he'd take it so if you have an urge just throat chop him so um because of those um conditions like in my environment my internal environment doesn't like to be enclosed I found out at an early age that if you'll provide security, if you'll provide protection, if you'll back people up and really support them as best you can, that they'll want you around to do that. And in some instances, they'll pay you really well for it. Yeah. So I've always kept myself in a situation my whole life, whatever my career, everything is that I can always leave whatever I'm doing within one minute and be at your house doing exactly what you need me to do no questions asked and so that's how i found my place in the world is is just being available have you ever buried a body not to my knowledge not that i can remember but i do have a bad memory good answer yeah yeah i do have a really bad memory at times so um anyhow to to just finish that little thread of thought um i i we got, don't finish threads of thought i got into this <laughs> i got into this whole thing uh, on an egotistical and a spiritual level where i could be this person who um is aggressive and violent and but not get in trouble for it all the time because i was really uncomfortable just being um open and and revealing it just wasn't part of my personality so that's I evolved into this person where I, uh, no matter what is going on, I exercise. No matter what, I don't care if I'm if you if there's a bullet in my leg, I'll just isolate it with some tape and a stick, and I'm exercising. Because if I don't get to move every day, my life is miserable. And that was way before CrossFit. You do your first workout couple weeks later, you do your second, third, fourth workout. For a month, you work out in your own gym, which is a storefront you have in Santa Cruz, California in 1999 to mm -hmm. 2001. Mm -hmm. Where does your CrossFit experience go from there? Um, <sighs> What's your next? You, you do one workout that's just all body weight, then you move to bars and Fran. Did they call it Fran when you did it? No. It hadn't even no. been named Fran yet. No, no. Okay, so you did the workout. They and were they were named the girls um, about five years after that, and um, Kevin has a big old stack of papers here with some. They're like historical documents. They're probably shit that should be taken to the Smithsonian. Probably. <laughs> old photos of Greg and old See, seminars. Some, and, some of these weren't even. Um, are we being filmed also? We are. Oh, 
Okay. Um, not you. you just, can see, just the three of you us. You can see that um, some of these girls, they're not even completed with the top uh, nine competitors to, to make the record. And what gym is that that you're showing? This at? is the original gym. In Santa Cruz. In Santa Cruz, yeah. The original box. So you, so, so let's, Research get, let's get to that. So so you're training with Highbarger, who is trains under Greg, but you right. haven't met Greg yet. How do you, what's the next step? What happens next in your CrossFit journey? Greg came into my gym looking for space. He was wanting to get away from the spa. I found this out. They told me, he told me this a couple of years later. He okay. came into my gym and he started asking me all these questions. And I was thinking, who is this guy? I know all these jocks and trainers from all around the country. And I know professional football trainers and college trainers and whatever. No one's ever come in here and asked me all these questions and look around and says, well, what about your overhead? Do you, you ever attach anything to the ceiling? And do you drop things? And what's the noise? And I was like, wow, this guy sounds like he's going to open a gym for bikers or something. He's, right. You know, he just wanted to be able to do all this Did crazy stuff. Did you know stuff. when he came in that that was the guy who had developed CrossFit that you had been doing? I had no idea who he was. But you were practicing his methodology already. Yeah. And he okay. came in with Lauren and... Um, so he didn't come in with Highbarger. No, he came in with Lauren and Brian Mulvaney. Okay. Yeah. So um, <coughs> they asked me a bunch of questions and they said they'd be back and they never came back. So now um, Greg has moved out of Claudio's, which was a little bit bigger than this room. Not That's not an exaggeration. So he went from spa wow. fitness to Claudio's jiu-jitsu yeah. jitsu the, You would have a guy doing an overhead press with 95 pounds this far away from a guy doing a muscle-up on the ring. I love it. I yeah. love it. It's incredible. Safety first. Oh, my word. You wouldn't believe it. You... Third. Safety third. <laughs> yeah. Fitness first. <laughs> I did my first muscle-up there. Um I said to Jason one day, what's a muscle up? And he told me and he had his back turned. And I I didn't think anything of it because I was doing tree work. And so you were just supposed to do hard stuff. So I did my first muscle up, just did it by through instruction. But then... For those of you who, who aren't watching the video, you need to understand something about Kevin. He's probably 5'11". Six feet. Six yeah. feet tall, yeah. 160 pounds. Yeah. He's like the... Um, the farmer Irish guy on um, The Simpsons, you know, when he takes his shirt off and he's all shredded oh. and jacked, and you don't you don't expect it. He's a piece of rebar. Groundskeeper really. Willie, yeah, Groundskeeper yeah. yeah. Willie, yeah. Got the grease, woman. That's totally yeah. who Kevin is. He's yeah. just mild mannered, and then all of a sudden he takes his shirt off and he's a shredded piece of steel. And so, normally I would say no matter who anyone is, unless they're a gymnast, good job. But I mean, a muscle up for you is probably nothing. I mean, because of your tree work, because yeah. of, I mean. And my Your growing is up, crazy. growing up, I always climbed stuff. I have no idea why. My parents said since I could move, I was always climbing, and I loved to climb trees and rocks. And the bigger the tree, the happier I could go up in a tree, be gone all day. Maybe take me three hours to get to the top. No ropes, nothing. You know, so I, I really um, climb. They, they had trees in your neighborhood in New York. Yeah, well, we didn't live in Queens. Well, it, w there were trees in Queens, but. When I was nine years old, we moved out of the city up into Westchester County, and we had two enormous trees in our yard, and I climbed them every day until I lived there from the ages of nine to 18, and I climbed those trees every day, even in the wintertime. Did you ever fall out and break a bone? I fell out plenty of times, didn't break anything. Have you ever broke anything? No, my bones are like iron. Um, I had my ankle. Your nose isn't even crooked. 
my I had my ankle replaced about a year ago, and the operation took an extra hour and a half because of the density of my bones. They had to carve out big chunks of into them to put in, you know, plastic and titanium metal. Is this really true? The doctor's like, yeah. hey, you have some biz- you have some oddly dense bones. The doctor mentions it every time I see him. He says he's never seen bones that dense or hard. Wow. And hmm. and so I think that it's uh, like rock climbing and tree work and whatever. I've fallen pretty high rock climbing, bouldering, and I've landed on my back and whatever with no injuries. I think I'm just genetically, my dad's the same way. I think I'm just really fortunate that my bones are super dense and real big because my because I'm real slight. I, I like I wear a medium shirt and my inseam's 32, but people think I'm a and, lot. And your waist is 27. No, it's 30. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. Have you ever but, broken yeah. a bone? Uh, I broke my nose. I was telling you, I jumped, I hit the bottom of a pool. Oh yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. I've done that. I didn't break my nose, but the crinkling between the eyes. I wish I was young and stupid. I was 37. (laughs) 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 Okay. So he comes, Greg comes to your gym, visits your gym. He leaves at that point. You, you, when he came in, you, you, you were you weren't aware that that was the guy, or you were aware that that no, was. No, I wasn't guy. aware, okay. and then he leaves. Uh, and then I found out from um, Jason. Jason, hey, did Greg, come visit your gym. Yeah, and now and now at this point, um, that was in '99. In 2000, I believe it was. Greg got the original box on um, Research Park Drive. Mm-hmm. And I heard that a bunch of people were going over there. And my friend Lloyd Lewis, who I did martial arts with, um, he was going there. And this guy was an exceptional human being. You can talk to other people. This guy could do anything. I don't know what what it was with this guy. He was the quietest, most polite person in the world. Is he in that photo? No, he's not. Okay. He didn't do many seminars. Okay. So... to get back to Greg, um, I went by the gym, and Greg was outside in the parking lot, and I told him that I wanted to come by and train with him for a couple of sessions and give him some money because I've been using his method to train people, and I find it really interesting, and I'd like to continue to do it, but I wanted to compensate him for it. So, so you were humble enough. You were another gym owner in Santa Cruz, which is a very small town, mm-hmm. and you went over to his gym to not only train with him, but to pay him for the use of his methodology. Yeah. And so when I, I offered him wow. money to do it, to, to continue, and he said, well, what I'd like you to do, this was on a Friday, he said, what I'd like you to do is come in Monday morning at 9 o'clock and take a class with us. And I've been there since then. When, what year was this? Um, it was February of 2002. Why did you... Oh, and by then you had closed down your gym. Yes. Okay. And why did you close your gym? Um, my daughter got really... Well, a family member... My daughter um, got really ill, and she... Um, has an autoimmune disease and it came it came on during that time and it was not possible to deal with that and run the gym i was running the gym all by myself i was there from five in the morning till 10 at night 
seven days a week. Yeah, it's a lot. And uh, it was just, and then we had to deal with this new problem where we had to find a whole bunch of doctors and and experts to see what we could do about this problem that came into our lives. Crazy life changing moment. Yeah, really, really big one. So, um, how old was your daughter then? Fourteen. Yeah. So, um, I just kind of stopped doing everything like that for about a year and spent a lot of time doing a lot of research and traveling to medical facilities and whatever. And then, uh, let's see, that, that one threw me off track. Um, that's good. That's healthy. We were, yeah. we were talking about your first session with Greg. Yeah. Oh, so wait I Wait one second. Wait one yeah. second. I just had... I'm pretty sure yesterday, I'm pretty sure Avi broke his, he was on the climbing wall. Avi's just turned three years old. He fell off the climbing wall. I'm pretty sure he broke his arm. We took him to radiology last night, blah, blah, blah. I'm going to find out more today, but it like broke my heart to see my son holding his arm. I cannot even imagine at 14, your, your daughter being 14, someone who's as caring as you. It's, it's obvious you're made to care for people and you've sort of, sounds like at a young age, you took that on as a responsibility as much as you identify with being a fighter, you're obviously the kind of person who wants to take care of other people. I can't imagine all of a sudden someone you've dedicated your life to, right? Is is given something that's totally out of your control, right? Totally out of your control. You have no idea what the timeline is, whether you just didn't know it was... Um, it's the most startling thing that ever happened to me in my life. Nothing will ever come close. Like the doctor, just you being in the room and the doctor saying she has X, Y, Z. Yeah. And looking at my wife and and, and not having, I, I couldn't figure anything out for about two seconds. I couldn't, I was in a total panic. And then I realized I got to take over. She needs all the support. She's, you know, a mother and her daughter, you know, I just turned it all over to them and you shut the gym down yeah and dedicated that next year just to your daughter did you keep moving oh yeah yeah um i kind of knew this intuitively since i've been born but greg glassman uh verified this in a way that uh has helped me out tremendously really radically changed my life Whenever you have an injury, you need to keep moving no matter what. Now, so if you have your shoulder replaced, I'm not saying you can go out and do pull-ups tomorrow, but you need to do something. So like some of us might have seen Greg do at seminars, yeah, you just take it and you do a little lift up and a little lift down and a little lift up and a little lift down. And that's it for the day, but do something. So... I experimented with that. I've had nine operations in the last 12 years. And I experimented with that. And everybody was in a panic about me doing that. They're just like, what are you doing? This operation costs $150,000. You're out of your mind. And then every time I go back to the doctor, they go, you're doing so well. You're doing so much better than anybody else that had this operation the same time you did. And you're 20 years older than most of the people, and you're doing great. And it's because Greg convinced me that you should never stop moving. you got to rest and repair, and you got to 
You know? I remember him saying that in my in my first L one that I took with him that an, yeah. the animal kingdom, right. that when the mother lion has her injury on her arm from fighting with another lion, yeah. she can't take the day off. No, she has to still hunt and she yeah. has to heal on the move. She does it smart. Yeah, but you have to heal on the move. We're made to heal on the move. Exactly. <clears throat> and so I um. <clears throat> Using that philosophy, I applied it to all of my um, problems in that I encounter working, training, fighting, whatever, and the, the and even your even emotionally. Yeah, and the doctors, every single one of them goes, "I can't believe how much better you're doing than anybody. You're, you everything's fantastic. You're a couple of weeks ahead in your healing. Your mobility's fantastic. Everything's great. Um, don't come and see me in two weeks. Come and see me in a month." How old are you now? 65. And why have you had nine operations? Um, I wore out the body parts doing tree work and fighting and things like that. Those two things specifically? Yeah, very specifically. Yeah, tree work's a brutal job. It's it's a Tree work can prepare anybody for anything. If you're 100 feet up in the air with 35 pounds of steel on you, spikes, you know, your climbing belt, your handsaw, your chainsaw, and... Uh, isn't that amazing? This woman and this Michael Street and Cat Clumper, Clumper, they went up this stick behind me, 90 feet tall, no branches. They had a spike their whole way up. It never done tree work before in their life, but in the spirit and the, the um, vivaciousness of CrossFit, they both made it up the tree, 90 feet. We're looking at a, pic a picture of uh, Kevin and a couple of his cronies in their tree-cutting garb. I love it on Michael Street's wearing a shirt that says Beaver Fever. I totally, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I hope that's why you chose that picture and not because Kevin's in it. Yeah, and... Uh, Kevin, do you, have, do you have all your body parts? Like, has a chainsaw ever come down and taken off a toe or a finger or tip of your dick or... Well, that's the thing about me doing tree work. Um, I'm, I still do it occasionally, and... Um, the odds of me getting hurt every time I do it exponentially go up so high. It's amazing because I, as opposed to most of my friends, have never had a real major injury. I've had never had more than like 15 stitches and a bunch of cracks and bends. But my friends have had chainsaws blow through their forearms, cut their legs off, broke their neck. I mean, they're just – and nothing. Just – I, I'm, my friends go, you're still climbing? Please stop. But it's like um, CrossFit in a way. There's nothing quite like it. There's nothing quite like climbing up in a huge redwood tree, setting your rope up, getting into your saddle, secure your knot, and just sit there and look around and go, I'm at the top of the world, ma. There's no Top of the world. There's no weak men or women in that vocation. No. Not yeah. a single one. There's the only easy part of that job is turning the key off on the truck at the end of the day. It's the only easy part of the day. Did you ever throw a body into a chipper? Me? Yeah. I not that I recall. I really don't remember. Sometimes my memory just goes blank on me. I, I don't know what it is. Have you ever seen anything go into a chipper that shouldn't go into it, like a chainsaw go into a chipper? No, I've seen... Um, couple of animals what a steel cable wait tell what animal have you seen go into it a possum and a rat just like they were in the brush when we were chipping the brush oh what a way to go yeah oh. 
when I was doing tree work, <laughs> when I was doing tree work, um, a live you saw a live possum go into the chipper. Oh yeah, you should have heard the noise. I was going to say the sound yeah. is probably why it, do, it doesn't wretched. scream, does it? No, but it was very dense. It's a little different than wood. Wow. Yeah, like you know, the wood's going, and the, this one went. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it's like whoa. <laughs> Yeah, um, chippers are really scary machines. They have a truck engine on them. They have a flywheel that's 1,250 pounds that's going at about 180 miles an hour, and uh, there's no mercy. Do and, not make a mistake. And 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 what? Tell me about the steel cable that went in. Oh, um, that was noise. That's one of the top five noises I've ever heard in my life. It made my whole body feel like I was being electrocuted because I had my back turned when it started. And I just started like they <laughs> Johnson, you were just like flipping out. The uh, Was it a power line? No, no. It's a steel cable for wrapping around logs and pulling them up with a winch. Uh-huh. And it was, and some idiot left it on the ground. Some other idiot put brush on it, and they dragged it over to the chipper, and it went through the chipper. And can you imagine that thing, the speed that flywheel's going, and it's hitting that steel cable, wrapping it all up in there? Is there, did it, could it pull the whole chipper up into the air? No, I mean, it, no, I don't think so. But Did it ruin the chipper? Just the blades. That's yeah. it? Yeah, just the blades, yeah. But your day was over at that point. Oh, yeah. You go home for yeah. the day. Yeah, the next day, um, I wasn't there. The climber was up in the tree about 50 feet, and they caught the end of I've never heard of anybody doing this because you're like you would get fired or shot before you could do it. But they got the climber's rope mixed in with their brush and started chipping his rope and it's sucking him out of the tree and they can't hear him screaming and he's trying to take his handsaw to cut his rope off of him but it's not cutting very fast this is the same day the same job next day no, same, same job. job yeah and the guy's ropes going in is you know it's getting wound up fast <laughs> and uh he you know that's the poltergeist job yeah. that's like there's like oh. that's like the kind of stuff like someone needs to tell a ghost story around that there was a spirit there that didn't want you to cut that tree down or some shit. If I hadn't been doing that tree work, I don't know how I would have done with CrossFit. When I, I came to CrossFit when I was 50 full time, and I don't know how I would have done without tree work. I, I think that beating you took with the newspaper prepped you perfectly. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so, um, so what does Greg say when you say to Greg, hey, I want, I want to start training here. I want to pay you to be my trainer. And I'd like to compensate you for using your methodology in my gym. So he had me come the next Monday. That was on Friday. And I came Monday and he um, incorporated me into the workout. And uh, like I said, I've been there since then. I um, you, And by now you're like 51, 52 at this point? Yeah, 50, yeah. yeah. No. Oh, is that's you in the picture? With your arm between Dave Lee's and Lauren? Yeah. Okay. Um, Look at that mustache. Oh, I, well, that is you. Yeah, oh. I never... Uh, I never knew you were in that picture. I never had lifted weights. Greg Amundsen? Yeah. I never had lifted weights. And my first workout, very first workout with Amundsen, Matt Mast, Lloyd Lewis. He, he wasn't there. He was visiting. This guy, Phil Mancini, uh, him... That guy in the center looks like Laird Hamilton. Yeah, totally, I was just Hamilton. thinking the same thing. It's not him, is it? 
nah, I can't be. I, I complete my mind completely went blank on what I was gonna say. Oh yeah, and there's the dog that you see all over all the CrossFit paraphernalia. Athena. Athena. Feeny. Fun fact: One of the servers at work is named. Was in charge of the whole workout. That dog would stand underneath you while you were doing deadlifts, and if you didn't like it, too bad. <laughs> so, two thousand two, you start working out with Greg. You stay at the original Santa Cruz gym until the day it closes. Yes, and so my first day there, I have no reference point. I never lifted weights in my life. I like to climb stuff, and you know, I would sometimes do curls because I thought it made your bicep bigger, but I think it just hurt my elbow. Um, we did twenty-one fifteen nine with four hundred meter sprint in between of lifting up two hundred twenty-five pound deadlift, doing. ring dips and box jumps with the run and and these were just these weren't defined workouts it was an experimental workout it was like well let's see what happens when we do this you guys were in greg's lab yeah and then and you then were the guinea pigs someone would look over at someone lying on the floor and go maybe we shouldn't do that again <laughs> and that was my first day and I was like, what? Lift up 225 pounds 21 times? Why? What? How? There you are. Yeah. There you go. There. That's probably right after the workout. Man, you've had that mustache for a long time. I thought I was yeah. slick coming in here with this thing, but <laughs> you've had it for a handful of decades longer than I have. I think. Uh, Kevin, God. and so you were there when you were there when finally Annie shows up. Yeah. And then Nicole shows up. Yeah. And Tony shows up and yeah. Dave shows up. You were there. As all these characters came yeah. in. Yeah. And you were there before Brendan Gillian was there. Mm-hmm. Tell me about that. Who? So who were the the original trainers at the gym were, were primarily Greg and Lauren? Oh, yeah. yeah. And then and then, how, and then did you ever train out of there? Did you ever train yes, other people there? Yes, I because did. Because now your specialty in 2017 is working with the elderly. Yeah. But I, I like had... Like if someone's over 60 and they want to be a trainer or someone needs training who's over 60... Mm-hmm. Go to Kevin at CrossFit.com. Wait, right. what's your email? Kevin.Johnson. Kevin.Johnson. Yeah. Um, what were you saying just before that? We were just talking about the tra- who were the trainers at the gym. So oh. it was Greg basically just training yeah. you guys every single day. And, right. then, and then slowly... These, and Lauren. And Lauren. Yeah. And then slowly there were these world-class trainers built out of this gym. Right. And you actually trained out of the gym. Oh, Yeah. And who and was your clientele the elderly back then? No, I had pregnant women. Um, I had every. I had a pretty wide variety, but for some reason, I um, a lot of women like taking my classes. And then we Lonnie Lau, who was there, who had a nursing degree, I think from Yale or Princeton or something. She was even weirded out because I had like one class had three pregnant women in it and they were all having the time of their lives and they just love doing it. And, uh, so yeah, I just, um, I think it's in, this is, uh, some of Greg speaking at seminars. And one thing that's very interesting in here that I always love. Is How old is that piece of paper that you're, it looks like it's very two th- old. 2005, April 15th. Okay. You've had that ever since then. Yeah. Okay. Um, got like that aged paper look to it yeah um pens faded yeah no i completely forgot what i was going to say pregnant women there's something interesting in there 
Yeah, and my I, I blanked on it. How did you? So so there were these from the internet. There were these famous. These people became famous. They, they, they at least in my mind they were famous. They were super duper inspirational. They were the characters that inspired me. It was um, Annie Sakamoto, Nicole Carroll, Brendan Gillian. Um, there was another guy, uh, Rob Miller. Yeah, Rob. Uh, Dave Lee's. Like I would see them do these things. Uh, Eva. Yeah. Twardoken. Twardoken. Yeah. And Eva would, was the what, what the first. She, of that came in after you greg used to do stuff with eva at spa fitness trying to figure out whether it would work or not oh wow yeah so she's one of the original oh yeah 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 and um and what was what was the what was the vibe like in the gym what was the mood like what was it like there at the original gym it was very competitive but more mentally than physically it was like, what's going on here, and where do I fit in, and what am I gonna do, and can I become a trainer, and and is this guy crazy? You know, like you look at Greg, and you'd be sitting there, and he's standing around, you know, like, oh hi, how you doing? You know, Rex friendly guy, hey, and and a good night, play, and you're standing behind, going, I go, what is this guy gonna do to us today? What what's really going on here, and and how much longer is it gonna go on? You mean that day or just in terms of your life? How long can we sustain this? How long can we sustain this? And what's going on? And what's and what's going to happen? So he, he rolls out the red carpet for you and then beats you. Yeah, and then beats me senseless. <laughs> but I, I remember the day... Was there any itch of your desire to fight that was scratched by doing CrossFit? I became a lot friendlier after I started doing CrossFit. Yeah. And why do you think that is? Um, I think my chemistry balanced out a lot. That I, I'm a big proponent of the neuroendocrine response you get from CrossFit and how you have this amazing access through the food pharmacology. You can get these drugs going in your system that if you buy, if you ask for them on the street, you go to prison, but you can make them in your own body, human growth hormone, testosterone, you know, um, steroids whatever i was like really intrigued by it did you ever do steroids no no how come i found them appalling the whole concept of them appalling wasn't it okay in the 80s i don't know i just this seems so horrifying to me plus one a guy um steroids at spa fitness once started a fight with me and he was like in a roid rage and i went out in the parking lot with him and kicked his ass in and after i kicked his ass in, i felt really bad because i realized that guy was really fucked up he was like mentally ill and in a rage had no idea what he was doing right yeah did you tell him before you went out there like hey dude this is a bad idea for you i said i said listen you keep threatening me i didn't do anything uh, it was funny i blew <laughs> i blew my nose into the shower right uh-huh. in, in a public shower six shower he says that the germs coming out of my nose will get on his feet and make him sick. Okay. So I thought. So you guys are naked having this conversation. Yeah. So so I go. So I just go nut job and, and ignore him. So then I do it again, and he threatens me. He tells me he's going to kick my ass, in, and I went. So you know, I told him no, let to calm down. Wow, I love this story. Some guy threatened you while you were naked. And yeah, a couple naked. of naked dudes yeah. working shit so, out. Yeah. yeah. So I just said, well, you know what? I'm done talking. I'll be out in the parking lot. If you want to finish this, and he never came out. Was your dick bigger than his? I didn't look. Come on. I didn't look. <laughs> it wasn't on my mind at the time. So how did you end up fighting him? 
or was that a different story? That's not the roid guy. Were those two different stories? There was a guy that you beat up in the parking lot who was on roids. Yeah. And then this is naked guy is a diff, totally different story. Right. Okay. Yeah. I got uh, confused I'm, myself. But I'm glad you switched stories. The naked story is much better. It has a happy ending. <laughs> yeah. So to speak. Hey, you know. <laughs> Put that sound bite in there. 2002, 2018, that's 16 years of CrossFit. Mm-hmm. Uh, when will you stop doing CrossFit? I would no, not see a reason to stop. I mean, um, you guys know as well as I do, um, it can be redundant, but CrossFit to me is, um, I, I don't like to, you know, preach to the choir or come off as a zealot or whatever. But CrossFit to me is an amazing phenomena. And we have an opportunity in this country and more more truly in the world, but definitely in this country, we have an opportunity to turn around our health crisis. And if we're going to do it, CrossFit is going to have to be an integral part of it or it's not going to work because people just simply will not take the time to educate themselves to do what they need to do to be okay. They do. They won't do it. Right. And so, we're at the forefront. Or they'll be miseducated. They'll be miseducated, and and we're at the forefront of turning back the tide of these horrible diseases, more specifically, type two diabetes. And so, for me, um, to stop doing CrossFit would be like to stop taking my medication that's keeping me okay. You know, it doesn't just. It's not to just maintain stasis. It's to have a great life. It's to be able to be able to do, like we train people in CrossFit so they can do what they want with their body, not just play tennis really well or basketball, but, you know, your whole body separately as well as integrated has to work well, whether it's just your arm doing the movement or your whole body. And so um, on that, my mind just went blank. On that note, On it's, that a, note? it's a turnkey. It's a tur- it's a turnkey system. Yeah, you don't, you you don't, don't even really have to think. The community is yeah, here to support you. Right. You don't. You you have an opportunity when you join a CrossFit gym. You have an opportunity to take great care of yourself and to learn how to take care of others. Whether you're just a client, an athlete there, a, a competitor in the games, or the owner, everybody has an opportunity to pass on relevant information that will make momentous changes in their life concerning their well-being. And that's why I'm so committed to CrossFit. I will do anything for Greg. And and anybody out there that doesn't like Greg, keep that in mind. I'll do anything for him. So be careful. <laughs> and uh, it's just an amazing thing. It's a phenomena that... And you might uh, forget after you do it. Yeah, yeah. It's like quarterback, short memory. You, you know, um, CrossFit, for, for people who don't do it, it'll be easier than anything you've ever done. It will be harder than anything you've ever done. It'll be better than anything you've ever done. It's like it'll, it'll, it'll surpass all your expectations, fears, hopes right. on, on every front. And it really is a huge part of that is the community. Right. Um, because through all this hardship, you're going to be surrounded by really like-minded, supportive people. Yeah. And it's really uh, intangible. It's it's the unspoken it's the unspoken element or piece of CrossFit that everyone who does it knows about. Well, we but have, it's never on the forefront of our media or talked about because it can't really be explained. We have all the obvious 
yeah. advantages and benefits by looking at people and watching them move. But nobody can go inside their mind. But for me personally, the way I've seen CrossFit transform people, you excrete chemicals in your brain when you're under stress that you don't do any other time. And when you do that often enough and learn to control it, not fear it, then those are great chemicals. And, and you can't get them anywhere else. You're not, no doctors got them, no drugstores got them. And so you have the ability each day to take yourself anywhere you want to go. And by using the right stressors in CrossFit, I've learned through nutrition to avoid a lot of really unpleasant situations emotionally, physically, and spiritually. I have this whole list of things I want to talk to you about, so it makes me realize we need to have you on the show again. Mm -hmm. And ask you some personal, I'll finish the show with uh, asking you some personal advice and then mm -hmm. go through the list of things for future shows. Mm -hmm. A dear friend of mine, Kerry Peterson, the guy who made the Ogar documentary. Last week his dog came in here and peed in here. Mm -hmm. And I still haven't talked to him about it, but Gary Roberts out there went over and told Kerry, hey, your dog pissed in here, and then Kerry cleaned it up. We'll say, uh, allegedly. Allegedly. Yeah. You're right. That is true. It's just just because we only have one. We're going witness, on Gary's word here. On Gary's word. Now, now there's all sorts of talk about other dogs, and and people are now texting me photos of other dogs being in here and sniffing my fucking carpet. I I, I am going to replace the carpet. Um, there there there's Kara Hipskin's dog, one of my dear friends who works here at CrossFit, one of my colleagues. Where's the rug? Uh, her dog is sniffing my rug. Um, where <laughs> right Carrie's where dog, said. where Carrie's dog peed on it. <laughs> And and I am gonna assume that Kara's dog peed on it, and and so one by one, I'm. Do we have a photo of her dog peeing on it? Please say no. I love Kara. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I know what the old Kevin Johnson would do. Kerry's office is right over there. You would just go over there and tie his dog's knot around and his tail around his Kerry's neck. Um, Kerry's too big for me to do that. And uh, and he's probably one of my best friends in the world. What? Wh how do I? Uh, what do you? What do you think? Get a, What do you think? What's what should my plan of action be? Um, take, send him a coupon and your text of a coupon for a carpet cleaner. Ah, I like that. Just something yeah. visual. Something implicit. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay, I like that. And I'm sure he doesn't listen oh. to the show because he's too busy making his next uh, documentary. By the way, have you seen that documentary? Which one? The Ogar one? Yes. Man, Man of Steel? Oh, yes. Amazing, yeah. right? Amazing. Um, anyone totally who's interested in, in what it's like becoming an L1 trainer, there's a lot of mystery around that process. And, and, and there still is a lot of mystery around it, but that gives a pretty good insight into it as you see Kevin try to make that that journey. Um. We talked a little bit about fighting. I think there's a lot more to talk about. I want to talk to you about drinking. You haven't had alcohol in how long? 31 years. Yep. Um, I'd like to talk to you about aging. Yeah. How many years have you been alive? 65. 65. Oh, I'm, my body's 65. My brain's been alive about say you 50 years. You haven't aged in close um, to two decades. I'd like to talk to you about parenthood. Uh -huh. um, I'd like to talk to you about tree trimming. I'm a, like, like the basics of tree trimming um, for people at home. It's important. People should know how to trim their trees in their yard. Like, oh. hey, you got to cut some branches. Which branch should you start with? Yeah, I got a pear tree at home. I need some advice on. We got we got tree stories that could get fill up five podcasts. Have you ever heard a tree cry? Yes. Were, were you on <laughs> mushrooms or LSD? Mushroom. Awesome. Okay, thank you, Kevin. You're welcome. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. thanks for coming. Was on. it as good as you thank thought you. it would be? 
Well, it was a lot more comfortable than I thought it would be because I didn't want to come here and do something that would take away from what we're doing. And uh, I wasn't sure how to go about doing that because, like I said, I never do anything like this. Right. You mean take away from the grace that is CrossFit? You wanted to contribute as opposed to do anything meaning towards it. Awesome. I absolutely think you contributed. Thank you. We may not have, but you did. (laughs) It's coin toss. Okay. Yay. It's fun, right? Yeah. yeah. You seem very comfortable. It's interesting. Um, there's one thing um, we can talk about again that um, it, it's very obvious, but to me, um, it was this initial group of people and their dedication to one another that created the catalyst where you 